Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment, or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. After you get your bow tuned up at Williams, you're going to need the calls to get the turkeys close enough to shoot. The only way to get a stingy pressured bird close is with a quality custom call from Allen and Friends. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and bat wing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at ANF custom calls at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 36 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and Charles is joining me in the car once again. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm doing great. No, oh, dude, I'm just, I'm excited. It was a nice day today. Me and you happened to uh, sneak out this morning, do a little turkey hunting. Yeah, we did a little uh, first light sit. Wasn't too bad. I've been meaning to get out, but, you know, until it really starts getting light sooner it's kind of hard because i gotta be done by seven o'clock and that's just not you a lot of time in the sit. woods yeah really just a yeah. first sit and that's it right and we really gotta well if we're gonna do it again which i'm planning on it i'm thinking maybe wednesday if i can bruise something you know then thursday we can try it again maybe thursday morning we'll try to get back out there and do it again if the weather holds off it looks like a hundred percent chance of rain but that could be evening rain it could be you know yeah and if we're in front of a storm front, that could even be better yet. Yeah, that's true. Could get the birds up and gobbling. You never know. 
for once. I have not heard a gobble in Pennsylvania, so I'm looking forward to a gobble in Pennsylvania. I've heard a couple. We didn't hear any gobbles this morning. We heard some uh, little Henriettas chirping around, but you know. Yeah, we had them going. We yeah. had the uh, we had the chirps going. Yep, rocking the ANF custom calls. That's right. A little <laughs> soft purrs, clucks, a little soft yelps. We had them calling back off the limb, and I think I think they really started to pick up as soon as they hit the ground, but mm-hmm. they weren't roosted within 100 yards from us, I would say. No, I don't think so either, but good Man. morning. It was nice to get out. Yeah, it was awesome to get out because I've only been out one time so far in Pennsylvania, and that was the first day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I went out this past weekend as well. We only hunted till about 10 o'clock. Mm, yeah. And I still didn't hear a gobble. I had hens. Every time I had hens, I've, you know, I've had hens talking back and forth with me. It's just, I don't know where the gobblers are hiding. Gotta You're just a them. good hen caller, not a good gobbler caller. That must be it. You know, I shot a bearded <laughs> hen last year, so the proof's in the pudding. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, dude. You can't <laughs> have your pudding if you it. don't eat your meat. <laughs> I need to talk to Kyle. Be like, hey, Kyle, give me the calls that call in the gobblers, not the hens. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think he's. He's got me uh, garhold. They're too. <laughs> you got you garhold. <laughs> they're too <laughs> lifelike. It only brings in hens. Yeah, yeah. They're just too <laughs> too good. <laughs> That's funny. But it's yeah. It's been a tough year, man. So it, far, it has so season, far. But it's the grind that I'm used to. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We still got time. We still get it done. We still got Ohio tags ready to rock. So. That's right. It'll happen. Yep. And now we got part two episode here with our boy Garrett Benner, the modern assassin. Where he talks a little turkey as well. He does talk a little turkey. We go into all kinds of stuff with this one. Bow fishing, turkeys. We go off on a couple of tangents. It's just, it's all kind of fun stuff. It's good stuff. It's real good content. Yeah, I'm excited about this one too. I really liked having him and really talk, like talking to him. And he's just a good dude all around. I mean, yeah. And a second reminder in case anybody missed the first episode. This is a little bit of an explicit episode. But again, that's who he is. And I wouldn't change it for anything. Right, I wouldn't change it, and there's no reason to edit it out because that's just the person he is, and that's what makes him a unique hunter, and that's where that's what's got him where he is. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's been he's been real throughout his entire life, and you know it's it's come full circle for him, and it's been successful, and I wish him the best of luck moving forward. Absolutely, me too, man. Well, let's get into that episode. All right. Yeah. You can see that in your YouTube channel. You can see that in your videos, man. You got videos, all kinds of shit. And one thing I'm really looking forward to is you filming the Modern Assassin with Tack Driver TV on the Pursuit channel. That is incredible. I can't wait till that starts coming out. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a hell of that, accomplishment that too. Be, hell yeah. That should be fun. Um, you know, really my first filming for it is, uh, in just a couple days will be this weekend. Nice. Will be the first time that I'm actually filming. Got the camera running with the intent of handing it to Tap Driver TV. Yeah. Badass. That's awesome, man. We talked about that a little bit before starting this episode. You're going to be like within an hour of where Anthony and I are going down to hunt turkeys in southern Ohio. It's going to be super cool. I can't wait for it. I don't know the intel you boys have gotten, but um, you know, I was just talking to a, a buddy of mine down there as well as a taxidermist that I'm picking up last year's bird from, they had some, some cold and some rain come through and it, they've been really tight lipped and it's been uh, really? tough hunting, but the temperatures are supposed to rise up and the sun's going to break through. I think there may be rain one day, but the temperatures are supposed to warm up and then, uh, the sun come out. 
So we should be looking at some good weather this weekend for it. Oh, dude, that that's pretty exciting. I, I'm honestly. looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, Sunday there was like low percentage chance of rain, but definitely warmer. And I didn't think about this, but that kind of really affects where we go because it's the most part that we hunt is based around like a rather large creek based system. So a lot of it floods. So I'm gotcha. thinking high grounds are going to be money. I mean, there's a lot of high grounds with oak flats and stuff from last year's oaks that should still be pretty good. Hopefully, I mean, that's where we saw them roosting last fall. So hopefully we can get on them, man. I don't really care one way or the other. I just want to be hunting and we can't hunt here on Sundays. So we're going to make it happen in Ohio. Exactly. I hate that shit. It's can such it, bullshit. Can in a lot of places, but uh, Ohio, you can. And there should be a lot of hammer toms out there. I mean, a couple years ago is when there was that kind of little bit, I guess for me, I'll say Western, in a little Western band hatch of the cicadas. Yes, yes. And after that year, uh, that spring with the cicadas, I mean, you think about it, even even the fox and the coyotes are eating those cicadas. Yep, oh, um, definitely. So not only did all the birds have all them to eat, but the predators and all are eating them as well. And they had and just an extremely high survival rate of hatches in the hatch that year. So now, you know, all those birds are, you know, three or, yeah, three years years old old. now. Yep, absolutely. I know uh, the um, hunting public last year, they were in Ohio and they were seeing, they've seen, they were talking about how they saw more birds, more two-year-olds than they've ever seen before. And that was because of the cicada hatch. Yep. I was wondering if that's where I heard that from because I could have sworn I just heard on another podcast pretty recently talking about how when you have a cicada hatch like that, that the turkeys just flourish the next couple of years. And I don't know if there's any science I mean, behind it or Pennsylvania. Just, Pennsylvania I mean, you know, set record numbers. I've never really heard anybody else Last talk year. about it, so that's pretty cool that other people do. That was yeah, just kind of what my buddies and I had had assimilated between what was going on and just how many turkeys there were. Yep. I mean, there's got to be something it. to it then. Think about Pennsylvania that year, Last year, uh, that went fall, off. we had... 31 jakes walk into the food plot. While Holy shit. Oh, jeez. Um, dude, they were, <laughs> they were just walking around, running out all the whitetail, like, for days. And finally, I was like, I, I told my buddy, I was like, if the turkeys show up tomorrow, I'm killing one. Like, no more, <laughs> like, I don't want to shoot a turkey because I'm afraid I'll scare the deer away. I'm like, the turkeys are scaring all the deer away. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, 31 Jakes walked in and 30 walked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Honestly, most of the time when our deer season is archery season, we usually have a pretty small pocket for our small game season that kind of goes along with it. And turkeys are right in there with it. Yeah. If, if I've taken few pop shots at some I, of them. I missed one one time. I called in nine jakes just mouth calling. They all came in just hammering, gobbling at me the whole way across this field. And I had one at like 30 yards. And as soon as I shot, I blame it on the turkey, but I, I just pulled off it. I peaked hard, dude. The first time I ever <laughs> shot at one, I peaked so hard and I just grazed it. I was gotcha. like, son of a bitch. It happens to the best of us, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go into that, man. We're on the turkey subject. It's on everyone's mind. You just killed your first Tom turkey, and I want to hear the story behind that. I, I saw the film, but I kind of want to put the uh, the story in a little more in depth. Yeah, that was um, that was a bird that, without the help of my 
buddy Keith, Keith Sherrock from Tattoo in the Wild, I would have never killed that bird. And that was a, a smart bird that a lot of people knew about, <clears throat> knew about that bird too. And because he, he was just, he was a fucking hammer and he would make the mistake of hanging out in a field you could see from the road. So a lot of people would see him, but we set up to hunt that morning and all we had come down was a single hen and she came and, and pissed around the decoys for a little bit. It was pretty funny. She, uh, I forget. Yeah. It's actually in the video I have up. Uh, she kind of goes into a strut. Yeah, she runs up flexing on the decoy. (laughs) It's almost like a little hen strut. See, I was wondering because I thought Uh, it was like when I was watching that, I was at work today watching it again, and I'm like second guessing. I'm like, was that a Jake? It looks a lot like a hen. Like she was acting like a Jake. She just got all fired up. Yeah, dude. Had to flex a little bit. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) turkey turned into a cat fight. Yeah. (laughs) So it was really funny because that hen. She comes up and she literally walks past us at like maybe five feet from the blind. And we hear her wings flap and we're like, okay, she just pitched across the stream. Cause we were literally like, you know, if we fell backwards, we were getting wet. So we're sitting there and, uh, you know, a minute later, we just say, wop, 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 the wings again. We're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and look out the window and that turkey is in a groundhog hole, like, six feet from the blind, dusting herself. Oh, okay. (laughs) But that's what she was doing when we heard her flap her wings. We thought she pitched across the stream, so that was pretty funny. We're sitting there trying not to fucking laugh because this bird's (laughs) literally right next to us. But we could never get any toms to talk or want to come down or nothing. And, you know, it was where if it was up to me i would have been like all right we're let's pack up our shit hop in the truck go somewhere else try to locate some birds yeah but keith being the the, you know the turkey talker and just obsessed with birds the way he is he's like all right i know where these hens are gonna want to nest he said we're gonna go up it's gonna be thick but we're just gonna get up in that thick shit we're just gonna sit there and shut up he said if i know where them hens are nesting that old Tom knows where them hens are nesting, and he's going to come looking for another piece. Ooh. So we did. We got in the blind, and we probably didn't do nothing for like half hour, 40 minutes. And I'm just like thinking to myself, yeah, we should probably be at another property covering ground calling, and we're just sitting here not even making a noise, doing nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> And Keith called. Or no, actually, that bird hammered off by himself. He was probably about 200 yards away it sounded uh, 150 200 yards away and keith called back just did a couple little calls and then we sat quiet i mean it was probably another 40 minutes later or so he hammers off again and he's now about 80 yards away and keith waited five ten minutes probably because i'm thinking again you know being a novice to this i'm like dude he's goblin why aren't you calling back yeah get him in here you know i'm not Mm -hmm. saying this but i'm thinking it like dude why why are you just sitting here silent when he's finally 80 yards away and and goblin and he waited probably 15 20 minutes and just gave a couple clucks i mean it took that bird close to an hour to close that 80 yard distance oh that's a long hour dude just a stubborn yeah yeah and again i'm sitting there like i don't think it's happening 
And then all of a sudden, you know, Keith is peeking out the back window and he's like, he's like, I see him. I'm like, yeah, he's like, he's coming right this way. I was like, shit. And <laughs> it was so funny because now it's like, okay, now it's, now it's game one, but I can't see him. So Keith is just like peeking out the window and closes the window, but a little bit turns back to me. Dude, he's fucking huge. <laughs> Looks out the window again. <laughs> Holy shit. Looks back. He's got a fucking paintbrush. <laughs> you know, peeks back out. Oh man, he, he's a fucking hammer. You know, it, it was almost like, it was almost like you're, you're about to like get in a fight with somebody. You're like, all right, let's like, you know, get the gloves on. All right, let's do this. And then you guys go, all right, you got this, but uh, man, that's a big son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're good. You ready? Um, I bet that motherfucker hits hard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, dude, <laughs> you trying to psych me up or psych me out here? Like, <laughs> don't miss, no pressure, and, dude. No yeah, shit. And, and again, he's just not making any noise, not doing nothing, and we just let this bird walk in through. And um, he was out probably about forty yards. And uh, you know, Keith is like, all right, right here in this gap, shoot him. And just the way one of the kind of the poles in the blind was and shit, I just, I, I couldn't, I would have basically had to touch the camera with a gun when I took the shot. And, um, I just didn't feel like I had to rush it there. So I said, nah, just wait till he gets to the next gap. He walks out and I think it was right then is when he saw the hen decoy and he sat and he went into full strut. And as soon as he let down and raised his head up a little bit, I I just uh, squeezed it off and railed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the first time too. He kept trying to go like in that half strut, but that was the first time he finally went into full strut and just took yep, those last I, I steps. I think he had peaked peaked to the decoy at that yeah. point. And and it was funny too because I I don't know why, but when I squeezed the trigger, I had an oh fuck thought. <laughs> Like, and I that, don't know why. That moment of doubt. It, that's yes. everything, man. And I, that's I everything have you no do. no idea why. Because cause I, I don't, I, in my mind, I felt like I jumped or something. Or maybe because it was Keith's gun, maybe it it cracked off just a, uh, a touch earlier than I expected. I'm not sure what it was, but I felt like I almost fucked up. So that's why right away I come right back down on. And he's just like, dude, you railed him. You got your bird. And even watching, you know, because I had a GoPro in the blind that I set up once that turkey was coming in. And, you know, I watched myself taking the shot. And I'm not shaking. And it's just as smooth as it could be. I really don't know why I had that. <laughs> yeah, man, that you were stone cold killer at that point. Because everything was perfect. Yeah. I couldn't ask for better. Yeah, he went behind um, that big tree. You raised your gun up. I mean, got it right into that opening. He took a couple more steps, and you just slammed his ass. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny because he, he, it was inaudible in the video, so I, I didn't include it. But as it's going, Keith says, get your gun up, get your gun up, get yeah. ready, get ready. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm like, I got it. I was like, but I ain't moving now because I know I have the chance of him seeing me. So I was just like, I know, don't, don't worry. I got this. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, when he hits perfect. that next guy, because he's thinking – Dude, he's right here in this gap, wide open. Shoot him. Right. But I knew I couldn't get the gun in there, so I just looked like I was sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> I was know? wondering, too. Like, you know, I was like, dude, shoot him. Shoot him. Kill it. <laughs> I'm like, no, just wait till he's in that next gap. So, yeah, that was my plan. As soon as he got behind that tree, I knew I'd be able to 
you know, bring the gun up slowly and, you know, extend the barrel out the window without drawing any attention. And, right. uh, perfect. Yep, just squeezed it off as soon as he came out of full strut. Man, I saw the arrows in the background. You have a bow on you too, you crazy. Well, I took, uh, I had my bow for the morning. We were okay. sitting that field edge and it, we knew it would be, uh, you know, it was just an ideal spot to try to kill one with a bow. Yeah. And we just didn't have any, I mean, I think we maybe heard two in the morning, if that, but they they just weren't making any noise. They just weren't around. So once we were going up there, you know, we knew it was going to be a little bit thicker. We knew that that there was an older and educated bird up in there because there was there. We weren't the only people that tried getting on this bird, and that's exactly why Keith was like doing the opposite of. Basically, the opposite of what I would have done as a novice turkey hunter. Like, okay, now's the time to call. Yeah. That's when he didn't call. Oh, man. You know, and time was just like out of nowhere, he throws some calls out like, why now? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's the years of experience of doing it and knowing not only what turns them birds on, but what turns them birds off. Dude, definitely. And definitely. patience, man. Patience, patience, patience. Oh, that it is was. the key. It, it was like deer hunting. And, you know, to me, like I said, I just felt like, okay, put it this way. I have full faith in Keith. I mean, he and I, we always get ourselves into some shit. We always, it doesn't matter what the situation, what the weather is, whether we're turkey hunting, we're deer hunting, or they come out for me to, to visit me. And, you know, it's six foot fucking seas while we're trying to bow fish and have to hold cover till the storm's over. We always find a way to make shit work. So it's not that I, I doubted him. It was just in my own mind. It was not the approach. I would not have been sitting there in a blind just randomly on a hillside for 40 minutes doing nothing. I would have been at the next spot walking, calling, covering ground trying to find birds, even if it wasn't one to get on that day, but for the next morning. Yeah. And that's the difference in killing a turkey and killing a big old hammer tom. Yeah. That's the difference in, you know, killing a two-and-a-half-year-old buck and killing that five-year-old wise boy. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, dude. Definitely. And just congrats on a great bird. Absolutely awesome freaking video, man. Yeah. But the one thing that I have to say about it, yeehaw, brother. And that was one of you know, the few things that it wasn't self-filmed. I had Keith filming me. You know, he was doing the film and he was doing the call and I just had to make the shot. Yep. And you say it all the time, trust your equipment. In this circumstance, you kind of have to trust him, trust his knowledge, trust, you know, what he knows about the property. And, he, you know, that's what and, goes into it. And that is a very, very good point because that was Keith's shotgun and the bird is coming in. And I, I may have even shouldered the shotgun and said, where do I aim? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's like right under the chin. It was like, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Railed it. Yep. Well, Railed it. It was, I think two day, two mornings later, because, uh, yeah, Keith, Keith had taken, I believe his brother and another guy out the following day. And he and I went out two days later, went to another guy's property, already had a blind and everything set up. And, um, 
He was like, oh, my gun's already out there. Don't even worry about it. I was like, all right, perfect. And I'm, I'm going to put the video of this up. I uh, just haven't got around to it. But we have this, this Tom come in, and he comes right over the hill, walks right in, and he's like, dude, shoot him. And I was like, I want to see what the, I want to see what he's going to do. <laughs> it was like fuck it and, and let him just start fucking up the decoy and shit yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. then it was like all right he's starting to get a little weird and the guy he had a, a red dot on this shotgun and i lifted up and i mean i have the turkey's head disappear behind that red dot Ooh. and i pulled the trigger and i could see the wad shoot like four or five inches over its head oh no turkey jumps up takes off running and i go to you know squeeze the trigger again and it didn't cycle the second shell oh. but you know and i asked him right after like you know my buddy's laughing at me because he's filming he's like what happened on that one and i mean this bird's standing like four feet in front of one of my gopros like it would have you know, perfect you just would have seen the massacre <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, dude. I had it like right on his chin and just squeezed off. And he was like, Oh, yeah, you want that red dot right where his feathers stop on his neck. And I'm oh. like, Oh, that would have been good to know before I squeezed the trigger. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, man. know your equipment, yep. as you were just saying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had two hammer toms that trip, but just ended up with one. Oh man, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see that video there yeah. too, man. That's gonna be a good one. I guarantee it. Uh <laughs> I put up a piece of it, what I said, uh, I can't remember what I said, but basically the, the turkey, oh, um, the stare down, the sucker kick, and the shit stomp. <laughs> it, it's an up-close Go, GoPro video of that time walking up, and he, you know, he flexes and gives the stare down, and then all of a sudden he gives the decoy the sucker kick, like just hits it out of nowhere, and then just <laughs> runs on top of it and starts shit stomping it. You know, it's <laughs> Turkey Attack Tactics 101. Oh, dude, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that that's part of that video. I'm going to have to find that and take a look at Hell it. Oh, yeah, dude. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're getting up there on time. I want to be uh, you know thoughtful to your time and your night. If you want to, we can keep going on. I'm I'm not afraid to get into this next subject, but... I kind of got another beer. I, I ain't going anywhere just yet. <laughs> I want to get more questions, whatever. Let's yeah, get dude, into it. I want to get into bow fishing and we can split this up even if we have to, but I, I want to get into bow fishing. That's one thing that you do that you're very passionate about. You're knowledgeable on it. And that's something that we really want to get into. So if you want to get into some bow fishing talk, yeah, well, let's I go mean, there. Since it's something that you guys are getting into and, uh, want to know more about instead of me just talking about it. While we kind of maybe get more specific and you guys ask some questions. Sure, dude. Absolutely. So, I mean, first, right off the bat, we've never done it around here. You I know? have. Well, okay. I've never done it around here. <laughs> Sorry. I'd like to speak for both of us. <laughs> what, what's it going to take right off the bat for a new person to get into bow fishing? All right. My first bow fishing rig was like probably 1980s jennings lightning you know uh it was a compound bow that the centrics were about the size of a quarter and perfectly round you know what i mean mm -hmm. it was just yeah you don't need much for bow fishing uh recurve even will do it you don't need much as far as poundage and there's basically two styles of reels. You can either get one that mounts like in where your stabilizer would go. So 
Imagine a Zebco push button, push button reel, like, you know, when, when you use on your little Mickey Mouse rod as a kid and shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of like a big boy version of one of them. You just push the button and you're good to go. Or there's another style, the bottle reel, that mounts kind of where your sight and quiver would mount on the riser of your bow. And they just operate different. The bottle reel has a thicky, thicker, heavier line that you kind of hand line it. And that's why it goes into a bottle. The line itself goes into a bottle to free flow out of it. And then the spinning reel, which is like the push button Zebco style. But you just need a rest and what kind of reel you want. I mean, People even, you can get a drum reel. It's just an open face spool that goes on the front of your bow and you reel it in by hand. That's what I've but always as used. As far as the bow goes, you really don't need anything special at all. Okay. So something old, something you can find either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know. can go to your pawn shop and pretty much any bow you pick up in there. Uh, you don't want, you know, I wouldn't suggest going and picking up, you know, a, a high end compound bow or a, a compound bow that's only adjustable between 60 and 70. But right. if you find a compound bow that goes between 30 and 50 pounds, yeah, you just got to take the string off, uh, put some finger leeches on it, and, um, you know, get a rest that, that will accommodate bow fishing because, you know, you got to be careful of your line hanging up on anything when you shoot. Mm. You know, you could get arrow bounce back and, Things like that. So there are certain types of rests that that you want to use for a bowfish application versus, you know, just a normal bow hunting rest. They're more like a roller, aren't they? There's all different kinds, man. Okay. Some I've are seen a, roller. a roller. One of my favorites is it's just literally a giant V. And to me, it's easy because it's a big, wide open top V that I don't even really have to look to slap the arrow down in it. Or my other favorite one, it's just a, a channel. Like, if you think of just how you set your... If you're shooting off the shelf of a recurve or a longbow, yeah. it's just a U-channel that the that the arrow goes through. Oh, that's decent, though. Yeah, that looks cool. So, a little shameless plug for you here. I mean, where can people find some bow fishing equipment if they're looking to get into it? Say, the reel and the, um, the rest. I actually... I, I do sell some bow fishing equipment on my website, The Modern Assassins. <laughs> I sell... Uh, and, it, you know, one of the... My, one of my backup bows that I always have on the boat that's backup for me, unless someone else is already shooting it, which usually they are, is uh, the Poseidon from Finfinder. And you can get just the bow or... Um, with the rest, with a couple arrows, with the reel, everything you need to go out and start shooting fish. And I want to say it's fully set up. I, I want to say it's just under 350 but I can't remember. That's uh, still really reasonable, That's super reasonable when you're talking about a bow with a whole rig and you can go out and, you know, start shooting carp or yeah, rays. Yeah, it's, it's a great bow. I mean... um, I have killed a lot of fish, a lot of stingrays with it. I like that bow a lot, actually. I can dig that, um, man. One of the things you'll find common in bow fishing bows is zero let off. I have noticed that. The reason for that is is you're not always, you may not always shoot at full draw. Right. Let's right. say a fish is real close or say a fish is right on top of big rock. Mm-hmm. You just kind of pluck shot it a little bit, right. crawl back a little bit, and let it rip. 
and instead of, you know, coming to full drawl and anchoring. And very rarely in bow fishing are you in perfect shooting form. Right. You know, it's moving, it's off to the side, it's down low. So it's not like you're getting a perfect anchor point every time and coming back to a, a dead stop, you know, back wall. You know, it's kind of each shot depends what you're doing, how you're doing it. But it just stays a little more fluid. Like even my uh, my Oneida or the RPM lever bows, they do have a point where it will roll over to let off at the very back. Yeah. And I pretty much, I draw back. And as soon as it's about to let off is when I release my arrow. Oh, decent. Okay. I it's think that's just, something that Andrew was talking about, Drew Walters. We talked to him a little bit about bow fishing. He said, you're probably better off using like a recurve because most of the time you're just doing real quick little pop shots, not anything yeah. like, yep. like crazy. And that's why I, I like the lever action bows because it's just a smoother, predictable cycle draw than, you know, most compounds, especially older ones that you don't care about throwing around the boat and beating up and shit. They are a little bit rougher in that initial, like real hard to get back. And then, you know, then they have that usually a fairly aggressive valley mm -hmm. and rollover, you know, and a lot of times you're drawing back and letting down because the fish just disappears. Mm -hmm. And if you have one of them bows, it's kind of tough to then let back down. You're just kicking your own ass for, for no reason. Yeah. Andrew was just hitting me up about bow because, uh, his is on the bottom of the river right now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. No yep. way. <laughs> oh, dude. Yep. Oh, that something sucks. was like, what was that? And the guy was like, your bell. Oh. And Andrew just kept going. And he's like, it said it was your bell. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't turn around and get it now. It's on the fucking bottom. Right, we'll just keep going. <laughs> so, oh, man. Damn, dude. dude that's intense. A buddy of mine uh, fell... We hit a stump, and he jinxed him uh, his, his own self. He said something about, you know, he hadn't fallen off the boat yet or something like that, because I said something to him about where he was standing. And he just gave me the controls and literally went maybe five feet, and I hit a stump, and I grabbed him to try to hold him, but he was all <laughs> ready to where he had to, like, jump Aww. to land in, so he just didn't fall and do a belly flop. Right sunk deep enough in the mud that he lost both his shoes. <laughs> uh, he was starting to go to draw in his bow, so he like kind of like shot and just like tossed his bow. So I just shot my bow where his went into the water. So at least we had a marker to try to find it because then it was just a, a was you know a fucking muddy mess. But <laughs> yeah, we 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 found the bow, not his shoes. <laughs> Screw the shoes. Yeah, <laughs> a lot cheaper. <laughs> and so I I just saw where his bow landed, and I just shot an arrow in that direction. Like, all right, it's, yeah, it's now we'll know where to just follow my line, and somewhere around there's your bow. <laughs> oh, That's dude. funny because looking at your videos and seeing your bow, it's like I look at it. And I was thinking the same thing, like, man, I feel like I would fall off that damn thing. <laughs> you know, the flat surface, you're hanging over the edge, looking to make a shot. And damn, I, I, I definitely felt like that's something I would do. Just yeah, lean over I too mean, far. I, I'm a hillbilly, too. I'll get to running around with no shoes on and just a pair of shorts and, you know, slinging dead fish everywhere or rays. Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I've never fallen off the front. There's a lot of people that don't want to get near the edge, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's like anything, you know. You got some guys that get up and sit in the tree stand, mm-hmm. and it's like yep. they, their ass is a magnet to the seat, and the you know, and their back just like splined against the tree. They won't move, and then you know, you get to a point where you're just bending around you feel when you're near the edge and yeah. you just move about freely oh yeah right. i've know? been there i've been in those sketchy sits and you're like oh my god what am i doing and then a deer comes in and next thing you know i'm hanging off the edge and i'm like grabbing a limb to lean over like all kinds of crazy shit happens when you're in the moment and there's a deer coming yeah, in you know and that is gonna be like i said now that i've really uh figured out i, I still i can't say i've dialed it in but now that I've figured out how I'm going to be doing my filming for saddle hunting, you know, like you were just saying, the freedom of being able to move around and, and right. not worry, okay, like how far is too far before the stand rolls out from under me or, you know, shit like that. You just have such freedom once yeah. you trust the saddle. Yeah, we were playing around with it in our buddy saddle and I, man, I, that was like, that was the final straw or the final piece to my puzzle. You know, I was kind of talking it up to him, and he had no clue what a saddle was. You know, along with a lot of people that I know, they have no clue what a saddle is. And I was talking yeah. up to him big time and really selling it on him. Well, his crazy ass, I knew he'd go out and buy it, and then I would just kind of piggyback off of him and try it out and see how I liked it. And now I'm addicted. I'm like, I gotta yeah, get um, one. Yeah, dude. I, and especially, you know, they always say one of the, and I, I played with it a good bit, but like I said, every time it came to go hunting, it, I had just invested so much into my season and the time and the miles and the new properties and everything that I didn't want to put in a questionable factor. Right. And after playing with it more and more, and then especially after going around with Drew to the different trade shows, um teaching other people about it i also taught myself a shit ton about it right hanging um, off over top of a, a stairwell at like 25 feet in the air like a madman <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know it was crazy it was so crazy to me I, I we got set up in that spot and i was actually driving to park and drop off the trailer so we didn't have that the whole week you know weekend driving through the city and shit and uh i called drew i was like Yo, I said, put put the one pole as absolutely as close to that stairwell as you can. He was like, why? <laughs> I was like, because I'm just going to hang over top of it. And anyone going up and down that stairwell is going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, sure enough, anybody that went up and down the stairwell or just came around the corner. But everybody's like, man, you're crazy. I'm like, why am I crazy? It's a 25-foot right. drop. Yeah, nope. it's on the stairs, but... Do you really think a 25-foot drop out of a tree is going to feel any better? Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. Trusting it in a hunting situation. Exactly. Like, why is that crazy? Exactly. No, I mean, the pool itself, just being a mobile setup pool, it's like, man, I don't... That's the only thing I would question. The mobile and the perch and everything that you were on, I know that stuff's going to work. You know, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't fear that. It's the the pool that's just standing up. But then Big Hoss gets on it. And that thing don't move, so I think you're just well, fine. What, what he hopped up there like, swing to the other side, other side, other side. <laughs> so I hurry up and swung to the other side as a counterbalance. But 
That being said, I also, uh, I, I'm the one that carried them fucking poles in. Yeah. So I know how heavy them sons of bitches were. <laughs> and I helped bolt them all together. Yeah. So, oh, so I you knew. knew how yeah. strongly lag bolted and everything else that they were before. I just went swinging around on that shit. <laughs> and you know, that, that's something to talk about too. That's the same with other people's stands. I don't like hunting other people's stands. Even if, it, you know, some people, oh, if they see a stand on public land, they hunt it. No way. I hell. do not. I, because I don't know who hung that stand. Yep. How well they did it. When they did it. I don't, I, I would feel so sketch going up in it and getting in it to hunt. That I'd rather just, you know, pick a spot a couple trees over if that's where I wanted to hunt even. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't agree again, more, man. It's trusting your equipment yep. and what you do. Don't, yeah. you know, don't just, oh, there, yeah. Says I can hang from it and go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I would never, ever, ever hunt another person's stand. Like, even if it's a ladder stand. And I, I have, like, looked at them and, you know, maybe just seen what they're doing. But, dude... You you don't know what that person knows. Like that person could have just thrown it up, not knowing a damn thing what they were doing. I'm not going to climb up in there and put my life at risk on someone else's setup. You know, I trust what I put up. Even you know, hunting my buddy Anthony's stand the one time, he had been in it and he had set it up for him. Now he's a giant ogre and he's way taller <laughs> than me, and he's also sitting like four feet to my left. But <laughs> he 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 set it up for him. So me even taking the steps between like his sticks and stuff. Holy shit, man. I was working to get up in his stand. I was like, I'll never do this again. I can attest to that. I actually climbed up those sticks so I could hang a second set. And dude, I was reaching to get into that yeah. thing. It was, it was rough. He's so tall. It just. Yep. That's, that's the way my one cousin is. He's a tall son of a bitch. He barely needs steps to get up in a stand. Yeah, dude. Seriously. Oh, damn. Seriously. But I mean, Anthony, he's got some freaking faith in me because every time we've gone and hung a double set, I'm the one hanging him. So yeah, he's climbing yeah. into it whether he likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talking about, you know, what you just mentioned of you don't know what that person knows right. as to why they set the stand there or whatever. You know, something I was told long ago is, uh, you know, you always find old wooden stands and remnants of wooden stands out in the woods and shit. Oh, yeah. And it makes you think, was this a good spot or was it not? And, you know, something I learned long ago is look what it's constructed of and how it's constructed. If it's just made of a bunch of random scrap bullshit that's barely nailed together and then screws in some spots and screws half nailed in and bent over, it's some guy that half-ass built it with half-ass shit and he probably half-ass picked the spot he put it. If you find a stand that's well constructed out of good materials and someone took the time to get that out there and construct it well, they probably also took that same type of approach in the spot they picked to put it. That's a good point, man. I mean, I've heard a few people be like, you know, I was walking through and like I saw the old stand and if it was good back then, it's good now. Yes, maybe. I like your approach to it a little I bit better. I do too. Yep. If they took the time and they really built that stand and it's still up there, it's not one of those ones that's freaking hanging off or laying on the ground and just kind of yeah, half look, janky look put at together. What it's built. If if someone if the guy that built it did a good job building it, he probably was also intelligent in picking his spot and hunting. And here's the other thing. You know, I have spots where I had tree stands for five or six years that are now parking lot. So 
it, you can't say because it was a good spot then it's a good spot now i mean yeah yeah it, it's something to maybe key in on like put it this way if if i find an old stand when i'm scouting i do mark it and i will one like i was just talking about look at what kind of materials we we, we got what it's built of this and that but i'll mark it so then when i can get back and look at the bigger picture i can see well that looks like it was just popped up in the middle of nowhere or oh when i zoom way out you know this is the end of you know not just a point but like a two mile long ridge oh yeah you know and things like that so it can always you know it's it's good to look at as a piece of the puzzle oh Um, absolutely yeah, and shit changes all the time. Uh, you know, our Absolutely. best spot. Like it, I said, some some of my best spots yep. are now literally parking lots. Yeah, our best so, spot when what, I grew up. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was twelve year old, twelve years old. You know, up until I was like fifteen, there was one spot we went up first day of rifle every year. We'd see, you know, sixty deer was not an underestimation of how many deer yeah. we'd see. I, you know, I don't know how we got to this point from going into. I know well, we're but... going to come back. We're going to come back. <laughs> yeah, I promise. All right, all right bring it back. <laughs> Real <laughs> <laughs> but but to your point, you know, and and there's no problem with that. We go down rabbit holes all the time. But, you know, that spot, when I was getting closer to 16, 17 years old, they clear cut the section across this field on private land that we weren't able to hunt. And a lot of people used to hunt and push the deer from that property to us. Well, when they clear cut it and messed it all up, nobody hunted it anymore. We stopped seeing deer. You know, I, that oh, would yeah. be a spot that I'll guarantee you for the last 40 years was probably a primo spot to hunt. As soon as they changed the terrain around a little bit, that spot became dead and we no longer hunted it. You know, we'd see three deer, five deer a day. So it it did get, you know, little things can change properties. So, you know, and, and something is even more simple than that. I had a property that, I mean, we used to kill almost 10 deer a year off the same piece of property. And it all of a sudden, it, it, Things changed and it it just wasn't what it was. And one of the things that we really think happened and attributed it to was where these deer would funnel through kind of between these two, kind of where two neighborhoods kind of backed up, the deer would funnel through there. Now, we couldn't hunt that pinch, but it's a pinch that the deer came through to get to us. The kids that live there got to be high school age. And started partying and having cars drive in and out and shit all the time. And it literally shut down the deer from using that as a funnel. So it wasn't even anything as crazy as a clear cut or, you know, getting sold off or anything. It was literally just the human activity cut that end off to where they no longer filtered through there. Damn. Yeah. So let's bring it back. Okay. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Reel it in. Not, Reel the, it. not that that's, that was really good, actually, and I'm glad we went and talked about a lot of that stuff. But So let's go into where can people that don't have a boat or how can people bow fish for fish? You know, is there other options other than having a boat to fish off of? Gotcha. It ha- You have to check your regulations on this kind of stuff because, like, you can – most creeks, a lot of them will have carp in them and suckers in them, but – like, for instance, in Maryland, you can't bow fish in any creek if it's designated as a trout stream. So there's things like that. But really, the best would be wade in shallows. You know, wh- wherever you got uh, a shallow flat where you can walk around and you can see the fish, you know, and 
especially getting into May and June. If you can get out in the mornings, sunrise is when that spawn is going to take place. So you'll see the disturbance in the water and the activity, and, and that'll let you know where the fish are and then how you get to them. I mean, we've done it from a canoe. I know people have done it from a kayak. Even people do it from a paddleboard. But, yeah, you can certainly wade, you know, the banks or in the shallows of creeks or reservoirs or, you know, lakes, whatever, wherever you find, wherever you find carp, really. Oh, definitely, definitely. One thing I kind of wanted to get into a little bit, I kind of want to push people a little bit towards your video because it's so informational and it's really just kind of cool, honestly. But can you get into a little bit of like the cow nose rays that you're that you're dealing with over there and kind of how they're like decimating like the bays and everything the and ecosystem, really taking over yeah. the whole ecosystem? They're destroying it. Can you kind of go yeah. into that a little bit and like just kind of tell what a cow nose rays is and how yeah, you're fishing and them and all that? That video, you know, it took me about as much time to build the intro of that video as it did to edit the whole rest of the film. Mm -hmm. It may it probably took me longer to be honest. And I don't know if you read the description, but it literally YouTube would not let me enter any more characters. I tried to give as much information as I possibly could because it's a it's kind of a hot topic by us, but the cow nose rays so right off the bat, they are not an invasive species. So a lot of people get it mixed up and think they're an invasive. They're not an invasive. They've historically always been here, but they're absolutely a nuisance species. And what's happened is over the years, shark populations have been just reduced. I believe they're down to 10 to 15% what they used to be for my area. And... So sharks were the only thing that killed them. So now without any predators, the population of the Kalnos rays just started booming. Mm -hmm. And they never stop moving and they're always just feeding. Even clam bar restoration efforts, you know, you can have a swarm of rays come through and, and clean out a whole restoration effort in a night. Oh jeez. Um, they eat crabs, they eat fish, but it, they they really put a hurt in one the small crabs and the clams, the oysters, the razor clams, and the shellfish like that. There's just too damn many of them mm -hmm. is what it boils down to. But they go down to the Gulf of Mexico okay. for like the winter. And then they come up to the Chesapeake and some other areas to birth and, mm. and nurse their young. Yeah. And that's why there gets to be a lot of controversy and is people are like, oh, well, you know, they're pregnant and you're killing them or they just had babies and you're killing them. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, they are killing everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's hard for people to grasp the fact that sometimes to help things, you got to kill things. Oh no, dude, I, um, I totally get it. I, I really do. And, you know, props to you for actually like trying to raise awareness to it and going out and putting well, any yeah, effort I mean, trying it, to like at least reduce it a really little bit. important to me that I have I, one I have a lot of fun doing it oh absolutely <laughs> two the Chesapeake is like the lifeline of Maryland yeah it, it is the bloodline of it and it really it like every fisherman every crabber every clammer we meet will tell us exactly where they're seeing them. that's good because they just want them gone it, it you know not only will the rays come up your you know 1200 or 2000 foot a trot line and 
eat any crabs off of it. Any of them they can't eat, they scare off away from it. But they'll also eat every bait up and down the line. So it's they do a lot of damage. Uh, and they were trying to have, you know, shooting rays outlaw for no ecological reason. It was just people's feelings getting hurt. And I mean, they are cool as shit when you see them swimming through the water. Kind of like geese flying a V, they swim in like a diamond. And I mean, it, it is really cool to see. But that doesn't mean they're not doing damage. Oh, definitely. Yeah. definitely. And anybody that thinks you're, you know, maybe being dramatic or blowing this up, they really need to go look at that video on your YouTube because right off the bat, man, you are just in dozens and dozens of rays swimming right past you. It's insane yeah. how many there are. And like it, you said, you know, when you're trying to balance something and you're trying to reduce the numbers you talked about a lot of the negative impact comes from the fact that they are breeding and they're birthing their youngs at that point when you're killing them but at the same time you're killing them to reduce numbers so what better time to kill them than when you know they have two babies or a baby in their you know inside of them so you're taking out three of the population rather than just removing one of the population that's exactly what i was thinking you know So it's it's just, and like you said it best, I've heard you say it before, you know, people are getting their feelings hurt and they want to reduce something. That's why they got rid of tournaments. That's why, you know, they're they're targeting rays because it's something that you can go into a zoo or, you know, an aquarium and you can pet them and they're cute and they're awesome. But people get too attached to things that you can find in that zoo atmosphere, or that aquarium atmosphere, and they believe they're pets. You know, they don't see the damage. They're not. You know, and I don't want to take your quote. I was hoping you'd come up with this, but people are highly opinionated and poorly educated. You've said it a million times. Very true. Yeah. And I love that quote, dude. That quote goes way beyond bow fishing for rays. But man, where was it I said that at? I remember saying that at some point. (laughs) I heard you say that on a podcast. Gotcha. Yeah. On another podcast. And I was like, dude, that is perfect. Perfect. And that that's the, the way I really feel about it. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I took so much time to put so much information in that video is because I knew I was going to get so much hate over it and so many opinionated people. And I always say, use hate to educate. You know, when, when people hate you or give you shit for something you are doing, you are either doing something really shitty or they're not educated about what you're doing and why. Yeah. There's a lot of people not digging those so beaches, huh? You need to, <laughs> to me, you either have the responsibility to stop what you're doing if it's that shitty or take a moment to explain and educate the purpose of why you're doing it. I couldn't agree with that more, man. That's kind of, we've kind of been in a battle lately with the, with the Sunday hunting. That whole crowd, like, it's very highly contested in Pennsylvania, and they're, they're trying to work on getting it, and there's a lot of people who aren't educated that are going against it. And there's some people who are educated like us, and we're really for it. Like, we really need it. The deer numbers are super high. They need to be lowered. It's only a few extra days a year. I mean, there's, there's so many pros to it and so little cons to it, and people just, they're fighting it because they don't know. Yeah, and most yep. of the cons are made up. Yeah, it's total oh, bullshit. And, you know, anytime they have the cons and it's just, typical argument people come up with a reason why they don't like it and then they try to justify it and then you come back with four or five reasons why their reason doesn't make any damn sense but they still fight it it's wild it it blows my mind 
There's a lot of parroting of false information. People hear it, they repeat it, other people repeat it. Well, if everyone's saying it, that must be true. Right, and definitely. that's not how things really are. You know, and Sunday hunting in Maryland, there's certain Sundays in certain counties that you are allowed to deer hunt on private land only. Huh. So it's still, you know, there's, it's all highly regulated when it's just like, it's a fucking day of the weekend. What's yeah. the difference? <laughs> yeah, what, what's the difference? And, and it's funny. You hear so many people say, you know, it's going to decimate our deer herd and it's going to create so much more pressure. Well, then tell me why states like Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, Kentucky, the states with the biggest deer and some of the best management allow Sunday hunting and still get by, but the, but Pennsylvania is not going to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, you can, you can argue population. Fine. You're in reality, break it down. You're talking, even if you let full out blown, okay, deer hunting for Sunday only is allowed 100%. You're talking eight days. How much damage can eight days do, do to a population? Not as much as I think, you know, and six of those days is with a bow. Yeah. And two is with a gun. You know, you're not you talking know, a lot. It, if biologists, again, if biologists, people that know about animals and wildlife, not just your random person that that has a feeling or an idea about an animal if biologists really think that the animals need a break some point okay make it a wednesday when everyone's at fucking work yeah (laughs) (laughs) don't take away one of the days that we are all working for buying equipment for buying a license for and then you're restricting one of the two days that most people that are working for this, you know, the working class guys. That, yeah. That's most hunters. Oh, are absolutely. The working class absolutely. Guys. And girls. I'm not trying. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. We but get it. it's, it's the working class American that is your hunter. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, and the hikers and the people that pay zero dollars into the state land that they hike on think they have a higher opinion than hunters and they say well we need our days to walk in the woods if you can't give up two days a year to walk in the wood in, woods in late november early december give me a damn break dude like come on that's just <laughs> well, being selfish and, and though about think about that, it that's that's a a, a, a real kicking the dick is the only reason they have those public lands to go walk and hunt is because we are the ones fighting to keep public lands exactly public. Oh, we're absolutely. the one putting dollars into conservation we are the ones that are hanging on to this land for it to be public for them to even have access to so for them to then feel like they have right over us and i'm not saying we have right over them it is public absolutely but at least be aware of why it's there to be available in the first place. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, while everybody's blood pressure is all sorts of high and we're all about to have strokes and whatnot, (laughs) let's go into a little bit lighter topic. Every once in a while, we don't do it every episode, but every once in a while we like to do a little bit of rapid fire kind of at the end. Nothing too crazy. Super easy questions, but I just want to kind of dive into that and then let you on your way. (laughs) Crash course. Let's do it. All right, all right. These are off the top of our heads because I got nothing planned. So it's all good, man. Go with it, kid. What would be your number one tip for a new hunter? To not be intimidated. Ooh. Uh, not be intimidated by, you know, guys that have been doing it a while. Not to be intimidated by social media. To not be intimidated to not try. Get out there. Try it. 
figure it out, just do it. And, and you know, you got to have not only confidence in yourself, but if you are timid to do it right off the bat, you're just not going to have a good experience. Enjoy it. Uh, so, so don't be scared. Shoot dude, your shot. Absolutely. Dude, that's one of the best answers we've had so far, to be honest. For with sure. You. Yeah. Okay. So I got one here. What is your favorite time of the year to be bow fishing? To be bow fishing? Yeah. It's your favorite time. Ah, uh, man. I guess I would have to say the last week of May, first week of June. And that would be because the rivers have cleaned up by that point for the most point where they've got vegetation growing to, to help the turbidity and water quality. Uh, but the grasses aren't so crazy that you can't find the fish in them. And that's also about when the stingrays start showing up. So that for, for bow fishing, that's kind of that little magic overlap of everything. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. What would be your favorite hunting tradition? My favorite hunting tradition? Yeah. Shit. Um, you know, I guess I can't say I really have many hunting traditions. I have a lot of hunting routines, but I guess because I solo hunt so much, I, I guess I can't say I have a lot of hunting traditions, but, um, you know, just the routine of getting the camera and everything else together to go basically um try to capture and be part of a production damn dude <laughs> i dig it man honestly. all right man that, so, that's a hard one for me to answer i no, don't absolutely. have many traditions you know now now i'm starting to build some traditions with guys uh you know tattooing the wild at the weekend i'm going out this weekend to go hang out with them it's not only because turkey just opened up you know they're out there killing birds right now but it's, you know, one of my best friend's wife's birthdays. So oh, I make sure I'm out there for that party every weekend. And, you know, so we kind of have that kind of tradition going on. But, yeah. Yeah, that's typically part of that question, too, that we even mentioned. You know, what is, if you don't have one, what's one that you're starting to create yourself? So that's that's a good point to touch on that. All right, I got one off the off the limb here. Now that you've killed your first Tom, are you hooked on turkey hunting? Oh man, I was hooked before that. <laughs> I, I was I was hooked the first time I heard one gobble his head off right behind me. You know what I mean? But um, my uh, I was just talking about I, I you know I shot that one turkey with my bow, but that was while deer hunting. So to me, I still have not killed a turkey with a bow, and that is my goal for this year is is to kill a turkey with a bow, and I'm I'm eaten up by it. <laughs> nice dude that's nice. awesome that's awesome i was just finishing up fletching doing a big four fletch on an arrow with uh some turkey feathers from uh a turkey i took off of one of the properties i'll be hunting this weekend oh nice man yeah so that'd be pretty cool if i can uh cut a turkey's head off that's fletched with a turkey <laughs> from there yeah his cousin kills him <laughs> right <laughs> that'd be badass dude <laughs> <laughs> well man we've taken up a lot of your night we really appreciate you coming on you want to one more time go out there and plug wherever anybody can find you what you got going on all that fun stuff yeah again my name's garrett modern assassin you can find me on pretty much all social media under the modern assassin uh instagram the underscore modern underscore assassin uh my youtube the modern assassins and as far as what I got going on, it's a lot. Got a lot of crazy shit in the works. I'm just now starting to film as 
the Modern Assassin with Tack Driver TV for the Pursuit Channel. Been doing a lot of work with uh, East Coast Bell Hunting Podcast Boys. Uh, I've been working very closely with Drew from Wild Edge. Let's just say uh, that the Wild Edge is becoming closer and closer to becoming the complete mobile hunting system. Yep. And not just a climbing system. You know, like I said, I'm working on my own camera arm. I think that's probably going to be in partnership with Wild Edge as well. And uh, I'm just always grinding out my own videos. And uh, yeah, we're all real, no bullshit. Just, you know, putting it out there the way things really are. Dude. Couldn't have said awesome. it better. <laughs> yeah, couldn't have said it better, man. <laughs> yeah. Hell That's yeah, That's awesome. Dude. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Like, taking time out of your night and kind of bullshit with some dudes from Pennsylvania that kind of hunt, kind of fish, getting into filming, getting into bow fishing, you know, all that fun stuff. We uh, we look up to you, man. It's yep. pretty cool. Yep. Well, I, I appreciate that for real. And, uh, you know, that's exactly why I enjoy doing this is most of what I've done, I'm self-taught and... I'm just highly passionate about. So anytime I can save someone a little bit of learning curve or, or just share knowledge, uh, I'm all about it. So if you boys want to do it again, you got my number. Anytime, man. Absolutely, anytime. dude. We appreciate it 100%, man. I had a lot of fun and this was a great episode. There's a lot to be learned and it was just, it was out there, like you said, raw, real, no bullshit, 100%, man, <laughs> yeah. all the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a huge shout out to Gareth Benner for coming on the podcast and putting up with us for as long as he did. He's such a freaking awesome dude. I love that guy. Yeah, we even, after recording, talked to him for probably another hour or so, just, you know, bullshitting back and forth. It's the type of guy that when you get him on and you start talking, you immediately click and you can just relate to so much stuff. Well, I really want to thank him also for sharing our stuff and posting it. He made a couple of really cool posts, and I really appreciate, you know, stuff on his social media and everything that he's posted for us, giving us a shout out. And he really enjoyed it. He's texted me personally saying, hey, man, I had a great time. You know, let's do it again sometime. So, yeah, I know he enjoyed it. I know we enjoyed it. And it was just a good all around conversation. Absolutely. He's welcome to come back anytime he wants. Absolutely. I'd love to have him on again. Yeah, man. Well, if anybody out there wants to find anything more about The Modern Assassin, he plugged it in the end, but I'm going to plug it again. Go over to his Facebook and Instagram at The Modern Assassin. Go over to his YouTube, The Modern Assassins, with an S. Watch his videos. There, He's got some really unique content on there. Stuff that you don't see really anywhere else. I mean, seek a deer hunt, shooting geese with a bow. I mean, just all kind of stuff. And he's a really cool dude, and you'll see that in his videos. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he says it over and over again, and we say it over and over again. Raw, real, no bullshit. And when you watch his videos, they're raw. You know? they're, <laughs> they're real. They're definitely real. <laughs> and there's no bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, that's what a lot of people can relate to, I think. More yeah. than the prettied up version you usually see on TV for entertainment purposes. You know, he's giving you a different type of look at everything, a more real look at what hunting is and you know what the outcome of what we're doing yeah. really comes down to. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thanks a lot for everybody that listens to us and put up with our two-part episode. You know, if it's something that you guys enjoyed, uh, having a guest like that rather than doing a long one episode, breaking it down to two episodes so it's a little easier to listen, you know, we'd like to hear about it. So go on to iTunes or wherever you listen, give us a five-star rating and a review if you would be so kind because that really helps our podcast really helps us grow and it helps us gain recognition so 
maybe more people can listen to us out there and enjoy a little bit of what we have to offer. Absolutely. And I would also like to point out, head over to Chasing Tales Outdoors podcast and check out the Chasing Tales Yakin' for Bass Challenge. This thing is going to be awesome. You head over to Tourney X and you sign up for the championship, then go over to the Facebook group. It's a closed group. But if you register for the tournament, you're welcome into the group. And there's a basically what you're doing is you're competing against your favorite podcast host and YouTube creators. And it's the whole month of June. We're basically bass fishing against each other, having fun, posting picks. I mean, you can win prizes. There's all kinds of people involved. It's going to be super fun. Yeah, absolutely. We've been posting stuff all week long, mostly to your creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the fee $25. It goes to a good cause. Part of that money goes to the Sportsman's Alliance. I believe Sportsman's Alliance, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, if you want to find more details about it, head over, listen to his latest podcast about it. Super fun. It's a great podcast to listen to. Also, head over and give them a five-star review. Listen to some of their podcasts. Walt's a really good dude. He's been on the podcast. You guys have heard him before, but... I was just going to say that Chasing Tells is probably one of my favorite podcasts. It's something that I listen to whenever the episodes come out uh, regularly. And this yakking for bass tournament, it's going to be a great opportunity for everybody out there just to get out, have fun, go fish, and do their part in giving back to conservation. And at the same time, it's going to be really enjoyable. But, I mean, what he's doing, it goes beyond just having fun and fishing. Because he does give back some, you know, he's giving back the money to the right places. And he's really helping where a lot of people out there, they don't know what to do, how to give back to conservation or how to do their part. And maybe they have that void, you know, I may be one, I'm actually one of those people because I have the ability to do it, but I have the time or knowledge, I guess, to know where to go or what to do. And I don't put in the time to research it. So something like this where I, I'm subscribed, you're subscribed to it, we're already signed up. You know, $25 we gave in to go fishing. And from that, you know, our money's going to go to a great place. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. I am too, man. It, it's a really exciting thing. And like I said, head over and listen to that podcast. That's where you're going to get all your information. There's going to be a couple more podcasts to come that just kind of give a little bit more detail to it, find out who's in it. And it's just, it's going to be really fun. Make sure you head over to our story too on Instagram every day. We're going to be posting something about it. Same with Walt. <laughs> it's just, everybody's hyping it up. It's going to be a blasty blast. Absolutely. It's going to be a good time. Yep. And while you're over there, send us a message on Instagram. Say, hey, you can send us a message on Facebook. You can send us a message on YouTube. Go wild. All those fun places. You know where we are. Twitter now. Yep. Get on the Twitter sphere. Tell us what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next week, the distraction is real. The distraction is real. Let's go. Go shoot a turkey in the face. <laughs>